Blog Talk Radio. Reshma Thacker on, who was on Oprah's show, Belief Documentary. And the reason why I'm so excited about her is, first of all, many of you know that Jay and I love India. And the second part of it is her journey in India is so amazing. I am so excited. But before we do that, we are going to bring on Jay Logan, who's going to bring us five minutes of the latest news. All right? So without further ado, guys, we're about three minutes behind, so we're going to bring in Jay right away. Hey, Jay, how are you today? I'm doing pretty well. Um, I'm down here in the LV. I'm in Nevada in Las Vegas on the Strip, coming to you guys from the Strip. And, and still, everything is very live. People stay up all night. It's a 24-hour job here. So I'm doing really good down here in Las Vegas, Gail. Well, would you tell us about um, your friend, Osa Khan, who just did a movie down there, and give our audience, you know, the five minutes of our news briefing while we go to break as we bring in Miss Reshma Thakkar in five minutes. Would you do that for us, Jay? I sure will. Um, we um, the news uh, today is a pretty good, uh, pretty good information. Um, I was um, looking at a couple of websites, uh, Gail, and I was looking at um, uh, uh, things about drones. Um, and recently, I got a drone, Gail. Um, so Walmart, you know Walmart, they want to test their drones and deliver drones outdoors. So you can order things, and a drone will bring it to you. Um, and you can do it with satellites because the drones, they follow like satellites in the sky. So you don't have to worry about this thing crashing into you or hitting your kids. They're pretty stable. And so on Monday, Walmart applied uh, to the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration for permission to test these delivery drones. The only thing I feel bad about because it takes jobs away from people. So now you got these drones um, taking jobs away from UPS or Uber Uber drivers or um, you know even the post office. You know, so that's the only thing. Now we got robotics, and when you have robotics taking over, it's the first sign of a robotic uh, society that allows robots to do the jobs of humans. So, so there's a good side. Would you tell our audience before you go on how you were able to get a drone? Well, I have a friend that works for this company, and they're called um, 3DR. And I've got a demo drone to where I can uh, basically be uh, kind of like a, a tester. 
So I'm able to, you know, test the drone and use it uh, with uh, with OSA. We'll get to him later because you can put a camera on these things and you can film and you can use them for film. And so my friend works there and he allowed us to uh, use this thing for a period of time and we can use it for uh, getting good shots, so, you know, overhead shots, rafter shots, uh, and all kind of things that you can use drones for, uh, spying on people, spying on your neighbor. Now, I'm not doing any of that, Gail, but basically, yeah, that's how we acquired that. Um, uh, friends, friends and resources, you know, when you, but anyway, um, back to Amazon um, and all of these Walmart companies, they're going to be using these drones in the future. So be aware that as soon there will be drones dropping off packages at your doorstep. And uh, so I'd say in the next 10 years, you're going to see a lot of this stuff these new robotic, you know, might, you might even see a robot, you know. So, you know, you know, this is a good thing. And you can look at our site. We got these links on our site. And if you're interested in these, the drone delivery stuff, you can go there and read. And uh, Gail always posts, posts things on our, on our web, website. So you can go listen, give, and check that out. Um, the other piece of information that we had is um, I'm, in the music side, Gail, um, um, there's a lot going on over there. Um, uh, let's see, boy, my teleprompter here is just doing this thing. Um, we will go to another story because that's not, yeah, so. Wow, so you know, when you get these uh, iPhones, yeah, when you get these iPhones, you know, they, they, they say what they do, they update when they do, but. The, uh, okay, Spotify. Here we go. Well, Spotify. I noticed with Spotify is uh, Spotify helps beat music piracy. So basically, what this 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 thing is telling us that by by having Spotify, uh, people can't steal and download music anymore because everything is on a stream, and that's good. So it's great to stream music, but it's also for every forty seven streams, um, it just it decreases illegal downloads by one. And that's the study that they have found, Gail, for every stream, 47 streams, one number of tracks uh, are, are being de- decreased. And pirates, pirates are becoming paying customers now because they cannot download and steal things for free. But that's not true, too. Also, you can go to YouTube, and you can also take things off of YouTube for free. But it's helping the industry. The, oh, the downside of this, Gail, of, of streaming music is even though you know it's helping piracy, it's also eliminating downloads. So people are not paying for downloads anymore. And so there's a good thing about streaming and there's a bad thing. So if I, in other words, if I was going to get a, a, a royalty uh, gal from streaming, I would get only 0.007 cents per stream, opposed to the current industry revenue track sale of 0.82 per sale. So basically, I'm only getting... I'm not getting any money, you know, pretty much a 0.007 per stream is not enough to, uh, you know, pay your electric bill. So it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, you're not making any money with streaming. So I hope that it's not the end of downloading because downloading, we was complaining about downloading first, Gail, and now we can, and that's only 0.82 per stream. So I used to get two or three cents per song. So I went from two, as a musician, I went from two to three cents per song to one eighty seconds of a penny per per, <laughs> you know. So 
it's not a good thing. I almost had a penny when I was downloading, and now I got uh, one seventh of a penny. Which wow, is, uh, which is horrible. <laughs> so I hope the industry does something about that. So Spotify is helping uh, music, you know, beat piracy, but at the same time, it's eliminating downloads, and that goes for all the other streaming companies. It's not good for us creative folks, you know. Um, and this, Gil, you know, this is going to happen, too, eventually with the music industry. Um, when they well, start you know streaming what, movies. And- but it, we, were, that, we were definitely, we're going to hold that towards the end of the show because we now have to bring on Miss Rushman Thakar. Is that okay with you if we go to the end of the show with the news? That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Okay. Let's go. No problem. So we're going to Miss Rushma Thakar. Hello, Ms. Thakar. How are you? I'm great, Gail. How are you? Okay, I'm absolutely wonderful. And this is Jay Logan, who is out in San Francisco, um, I think not far from you, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, not too far. Hi, Jay. It's nice to meet you. Wonderful to meet you also. We are quite excited to have you. And, Rushman, if you wouldn't mind, we don't want to give away all the goodies before we get to the, you know, the end of your questions. So we ask that you tailor your answers to the questions so the audience doesn't get too much information before the end. Is that okay with you? Sure, no problem. Okay. So we're going to get right into the questions. Is that okay? Yeah, um, good. You know, Russia, I, I'm sure it's been a whirlwind for you, being on Oprah's uh, Belize documentary and what it provided to the world about culture and is you know an insightly view that I think the world doesn't normally get to see and how it all showed us all that we are all the same. So I'm sure that it's uh, it's been an experience for you as well. And one of the things you know one of the first questions I'd like to ask you, Ashwin, is it's been an opportunity. You know, so the audience knows. Tell us how you became a part of the Belief documentary. Sure. So. It truly was divine intervention. I um, had no intention of sharing this, you know, this uh, confused part of my life with the entire world. It was definitely a period of questioning and seeking, as you saw. Um, About a couple weeks before I left for Asia, I got a call from a yoga teacher of mine. She's a friend of mine. And she said, hey, there was a guy in my yoga class who's looking for a subject to follow at the Kumbh Mela, and I thought, you know, I could connect you two because she knew I was going. So she connected us. They gave me a call, um, asked me a bunch of questions, and then at the end they said, well, this is for Oprah Winfrey, and this is for the OWN Network, and um, we'd love to have you participate. And I said, that sounds great, but I am leaving in two weeks. So uh, they quickly flew out to Chicago, and we started the process. But it really was divine intervention. You mean really? Wow. Wow. In, in a two-week period, that happened. Yes. <laughs> wow. So that, mm. that, I, I have, Jay, I just have one question for you. You know, given that Oprah's belief had a lot to do with the energy and how we are as people and how we carry our emotions and everything, you know, just being a human being, really, would you, when you say it's divine intervention, what do you think, I mean, like, how do you think that came about with yourself that this would happen? You know what I mean? That you'd be making such a big difference for people worldwide. Yeah, you know, I never really knew the impact it was going to have. Um, like I said, when they first asked me, it, it did take me a little bit to 
to say 100% yes, because like I said, it was a very um, confusing point in my life. I was I had more questions than I did answers. And, um, you know, to be vulnerable enough to share that on camera and know that it's going to be shared with the world, scary thing. Um, and then eventually, you know, I did come to understand that there was a bigger message in my story. But now, looking back, seeing the impact that it's had and the response I've gotten, I could have never even dreamt uh, how how moving this um, the segment and the entire series could have been. So... It's been pretty amazing. Wow. Well, I know Jay has a question for you. Sorry, Jay. I had to just jump in with that one. <laughs> no, that's amazing. I mean, uh, divine intervention. Wow. Um, I just think that uh, that's something to be said, that uh, a miracle, you know, they happen. I wanted to know, um, what was it like to be in India? Mm. Well, so my family's from India, and I do go back often, but this was the first time I ever attended an event like the Kumbh Mela. Um, India is a really beautiful place, but it's a really intense place. Um, if you've never been before, you really have to go with a wide open heart and know that you're going to be tested and challenged, but you're also going to be rewarded, and you're going to be in awe of the beauty of the people and the culture. Um, but it will it will crack your heart wide open. You'll see a lot of things you could never have imagined, and you'll witness a level of love and hospitality and warmth that you also probably could never have imagined. So it's kind of a dichotomy of a lot of things. Wow. You know, um, I have had the opportunity to go to India, um, both to Bangalore and Chennai. And Mm -hmm. so I can... I can definitely attest to that. And, and Jay and I have had people on uh, from Sri Sri Ravi Shankar with Art of Living as well. So yes. I can definitely attest to how beautiful India is. My, my question is, what did you learn about yourself being a part of the Kuma Mele mm-hmm. and your culture? Yeah, so for me it was really um, getting down and dirty with, the my foundation i had an i had a religious upbringing so to speak um my family is hindu and i've always loved my culture loved all the traditions um you know i feel very connected to my heritage but there were certain things about my religious foundation that i had questions about and i didn't feel that that foundation was strong enough for me to stand on it quite yet which is where all of the questioning and seeking kind of came from. And so as I went further into my quest and um, really started to dissect some of the things that I had been taught growing up and the things that I had read and, you know, witnessed within family, friends, uh, community, I kind of dissected those things and I had to figure out for myself what part of it was really true for me and what did I not feel I needed to integrate into my life because there were things that I felt conflicted with who I was as a person. Um, And so that was my process, and and that was really what I came away with. I I went through that process of kind of, you know, figuring out what made sense, what didn't, what did I want to integrate into my being, and what did I feel okay just disregarding and leaving off to the side. And that created that foundation of truth that then I I felt I could stand on, Um, and it, it did come down to very, the core principles of Hinduism are quite simple. Um, you know, it really is about 
practicing nonviolence in thought, word, and deed towards fellow human beings, um, you know, the idea of karma, you do good and good comes back to you, things like that, that kind of stuff really um, set well with me. And then once I had those things in place, then the rituals and traditions made more sense because there was an intention behind them and an understanding behind them, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Yes, it definitely does. Uh, um, Russell, what did you what did you bring back from the Kumamali? Did you say what did I bring back? Uh huh. Um, you know, for me, it, it was really a sense of of inner peace and acceptance. And um, there's a there's a moment in the show. I, I won't give it away in case some of the view, uh, listeners haven't seen it. But um, I had a conversation with a family, and they they really gave me kind of permission to just enjoy the journey. And, and we hear that a lot, right? It's not about the destination. It's about the journey. But for some reason, the way they said it and the the spirit with which they said it just hit home for me. And so I came back with a sense of peace, and I took the, the pressure had come off of having to find answers and knowing exactly what my life was about right here, right now, and just giving myself the freedom to you know, move forward and do the right things, in my opinion, that made sense to me. Um, and then just letting things kind of fall into place and not having to control everything so much. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, you, know, we, you know, Jay and, and Lashma, we often hear that, but we don't know how, you know, it, when we're in a certain space in our lives, we don't realize how hard that can be, you know, <laughs> that, yeah. that, that small thing of honoring that space within ourselves. We don't know, you know, sometimes you don't know that you don't know that you don't know, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and absolutely. So, so as a result of being on belief, you're doing some amazing things right now, and you're actually mm-hmm. giving back to the world. Can you tell us what you're creating for others and tell us about it? Yeah, Absolutely. So, yeah, after I came back from belief, I, um, you know, before I left, I was in that state of working hard and climbing the corporate ladder and all of those things. And when I came back, I realized that I always knew I wanted to give back to the world. I knew I wanted to contribute in some way. And service was, and humanitarianism was always something that was very much a part of who I was. Um, And I felt I had lost that a little bit. So I went back to that and I started a couple of things. Um, the first thing is an empowerment project for women and girls in India. It's called Made with a Purpose. And we have women in northern India that are hand-stitching these beautiful products out of upcycled saris and other beautiful Indian textiles. And um, and then we have a market here where we sell them, and we're also providing custom products to um, events, corporations, weddings, different places like that. And then the money goes back towards workshops to empower the women even more, to teach them English, to um, just help bring them out of that cycle of poverty, and then also educating girls with, you know, taking them through high school, and then also there's really no process to help girls who don't, who can't afford college education, so we're also coming up with a a scholarship program for those girls. Um, And then the other thing I decided to do, and this was kind of a, almost a calling, right, as soon as belief was um, started being screened across the country, the response I got was tremendous, and I realized that there were so many people who could relate to where I was and and that period of looking for what is life all about and why am I here, 
And so I put together something called the Belief Explorer Quest. Um, it's a free seven-day series that uh, people can sign up for online. And it's um, a way for me to give back and share some of the knowledge that has helped me on my own quest. So I brought together teachers that had impacted my journey in some way, and I asked them the questions that maybe you might be asking or I was asking um, and, and have them kind of impart that wisdom. And, you know, I condensed it down into these seven segments. And it's really, really powerful, valuable content. So I hope people will join me on that. Would you tell people wow. where they can find that uh, before yeah. we go on with the next question? Can you share that with us now? Yeah. The Belief Explorer Quest, you can find that at beliefexplorerquest.com. And Made with a Purpose is madewithapurpose.com. All right. Well, what, what what will you always remember from your trip to India? Mm, that that's an easy one. I'll always remember that family. I still think about them every single day. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, okay, I can. No, go ahead. I'm sorry, Jay. Go right ahead. No, I just I just I just wanted to say that it's amazing what you have done, and when you went into the water. Could you tell us what did you feel when you came out of that water? What was the aura? Mm-hmm. So you know, it's interesting that um, there really is a power and energy that is created when that many people, seventy million people, are in one place. Um, you know, for a divine reason, and and not only that, but a lot of the sadhus that that live in the mountains and they're meditating and they've got all these, uh, they they've really built up built up a beautiful energy when those people come down and bathe in the river and then you have 70 million people from all over the world bathing in the river at the same time, the energy is actually palpable. You can feel um, a vibration almost. And when I bathed in the river, it really felt like every cell in my body was just lit up. There was like this buzzing sensation from head to toe. And you could see it in the excitement. It's funny, when I watched that that piece, it's almost childlike how excited I am when I come out of the water and um and I love seeing that because it's like oh my gosh that was that was real that was such a real moment um I had been looking forward to bathing in the river for five days I didn't go in the water and and so when I did it was so exciting and it felt incredible because there was an energy there wow that's that's powerful that's very powerful you know I I have a I'm going to speak a question in here Jay um, I, you know, Reshma, coming out of the water, feeling that power that they have. You know, when Christians are baptized, as Oprah also shows, they go into the water and they come out with a similar feeling, okay? Mm-hmm. As someone who follows, and I, I love the Hindi culture, um, do you think that there's a parallel between those two? You know, something about water and going into the river, you know what I mean? That's a part of the earth and being refreshed, you know what I mean? Being completely immersed and refreshed in the water, you know, and having all of those people around you experiencing that. Can You you know, it's a little bit similar to Jay's question as well, but what was that like to have all, you know, because it it kind of brings to mind what the Bible talks about on from the Christian Western side of um, Christ literally baptizing all these people in the water. Mm-hmm. How did it feel with all of these people in the Ganges River 
that you're experiencing all of this around you mm-hmm. and you're experiencing yourself in the water. Can you give our our audience an idea, you know, without giving the, the documentary away for those who haven't seen it, but your personal experience, what was that like having all these people around you? Did it feel like family? Did it feel like a familiarity that even though you hadn't done it before, was like it was you, you were coming home? It Yeah, it really was like a community and a family. One of the things that I will say was the most, um, it was the most beautiful thing that I witnessed was, with 70 million people, you would think that there would be some acts of aggression or frustration or anger or, you know, because you're you're practically on top of one another. Um, that, I did not see the entire week that I was there. I did not see a single act of any sort like that. It was all beautiful, loving encounters among people that ne- that didn't know each other. So there was a sense of a family and community, and we were all there together to experience this together. That was absolutely beautiful. And as for the water, um, I do think there are parallels. I think there are a lot of different traditions around the world that uh, water has a very uh, sacred symbol in in their practice. And there's a cleansing. There's almost a, a sense of rebirth when you emerge from the water. Um, and it's it, like I said, it's palpable. You can't you you don't you don't it was hard for me to understand until I actually did it you know I, I felt it I really felt it and and to explain that to someone is a little bit challenging but but you just have to imagine there it felt like you were embraced by this entire you know group of 70 million people like you were just being held and you belonged and you were it was like a family it was very very peaceful wow you know um the the my only other question for you is um what what did you share what did you share with your family mm. when I came back yeah like what did you share with your family like how what kind of person were you when you came back with your to your family right after mm. that trip yeah it's been interesting our relationship has really evolved we always we've always been a very close family um but i you know, because I always had put this pressure on myself and I I was a hardworking person, I had a high-stress job, um, I had a short fuse before I left. And I think over the last three years, we have found a place of harmony with each other. And, and there were times when my parents didn't quite understand why I wanted to do the things that I did, including the Kumbh Mela. And when I came back, um, I realized that I didn't have to force them to understand. They, The best way for them to understand me and where I was was simply through the way I was being. And so by me being a firecracker and, you know, getting upset about things or being frustrated, it wasn't um, an accurate depiction of what what I was trying to embody, if that makes sense. So so I, I came to a sense of, uh, I came to kind of a place of peacemaking with them where, um, you know, I knew that they loved me and I loved them more than anything, and I didn't need to force them to understand everything about me and everything about my decisions, but I did make an effort to to be in that state of, you know, peace and love and compassion and kindness and understanding where they are and where they're coming from, um, you know, understanding that they're being protective because they love me and they're you know, just looking out for me and kind of that really shifted our relationship quite a bit. 
Wow. 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 Leshma, I, I wanted to know, coming from being a consultant in high tech, going back, getting rooted, and going back to your roots, what made, I mean, you, you're coming from this high technical society, going back in time. Could you give us that experience? Because, you know, it's like a lot of people, they don't go back and, you know, try to find their roots. Could you give us a little bit about that experience, how that was, you know, dealing with the high-tech world, and now here you go, you're going back to India, kind of like going back on a time travel thing. So what was that experience like? You know, for me, um, I've always, like I said, I've always felt very connected to my roots, and I, I've loved going to India. It It is a bit of a shock, um, but I really loved being able to completely disconnect. It took me it took me a few days to adjust. Mm-hmm. Um in a society where we're very, you know, we love instant gratification and we're responding to people immediately and we're constantly available to everyone around us. Um, so it took a little bit of adjusting because it's almost like we're addicted to that to that way of life. Um, so wow. going back, it takes a few days to adjust to kind of break that habit. But after a few days, oh my gosh, I loved I loved being able to be fully present in what I was doing. We have such a hard time doing that here. Um, you know, we're always yes. to our phone, to our computer, to our iPad. To exactly. <laughs> right. It's really difficult to stay present in what we're doing. Um, and, and it's still like after coming back three years later, I still have to make an effort to, to stay present because it's very easy when I'm, you know, when I'm talking to one person, I'm checking my email on the other side. So I have to kind of like snap out of that real quick and be like, hold on a second. This is not what I, you know, what I want to be like. But um, I I loved being disconnected and I loved that simplicity of life over there. Um, it makes you realize we don't really need much. We don't need much. I was able to survive, uh, you know, with my backpack for, I was over there for four months. And wow. um, I... You know, I was able to see that I don't need much to enjoy my life. I don't need my, I don't need to be connected to my phone all the time. People, the world is not going to end if I don't respond to a text or an email uh, immediately. So, um, but it takes practice. Coming back here, getting sucked back into it, um, it does take a conscious effort to to maintain that. I got I, girl, I have one question here, and I was very intrigued by this. Could um, could you tell us about, you know, you sponsored these two young girls. Uh, I want to know a little bit about This is wonderful news. I just want to know a little bit about that, what you're doing with mm-hmm. the children. Yes. So um, that's actually the school that I sponsor two girls at. I went to India five years ago on a yoga retreat, and I was introduced to this school. It's in the same town as um, the Made with a Purpose Project. That's actually where the Made with a Purpose Project started from. Um mm-hmm. Because I sponsored these girls, they were four and five when I started sponsoring them. Um, you know, very poor backgrounds. Um, I've gone back to visit them every year. That, if nothing else, I go back at least to see their faces and to maintain a relationship with them. And over time, I saw that there was so much more that needed to be done in that community. And the school had already started the sewing project on a very small scale. And so that's kind of how the Made with a Purpose project was birthed. Um, because I was seeing that little girls from the age of 10 and 11, they were being pulled out of school for, you know, being married off or working in their farms or working in the home, and they weren't finishing their education, they weren't going to college, and this cycle of poverty just kept on 
continuing generation after generation. And so having my two girls, and then my family ended up sponsoring. We have nine girls all together as a family. Wow. Um, Yeah, and watching them grow up and having a personal relationship with them and knowing what they like and what they enjoy, I cannot imagine at 11 years old for them to ever be married off or, you know, pulled out of school. So it really lit something within me to to help as much as I can in uh, in that community. You are so wonderful. And, you know, Rushman, really, you, you, the work that you're doing is amazing, opening your life up the way that you have, you know, as you know, as one woman to another. Um, I don't know if a lot of us would be able to do I think we let a little bit of ourselves out. Um, you know, so I have, we have uh, actually, which is amazing, we have two women who are calling in now from India, okay? Mm-hmm. And if you would stay on with us for two seconds just to say hello to them, it would be great. Sure, absolutely. I would love to. But the, but before we go into that, you know, Jay was speaking of the the young girls that you're, you know, dealing with. Part of our project is dealing with youth actually in India and all over. You know, I have to ask you this question because I, I, I hear this a lot. I've been to India and different countries, and Jay has too. It, this, you know, this really could have happened to these girls that you helped. They really could have been given off to marriage at such a young age, Rashma. This really could have happened. Oh, yes. It's more likely than not. Um, I had to sit down with the parents of these girls, both the two girls that I have. I sat down with them, and I had a conversation with them. And I actually, I told them, I was like, if you're worried about the dowry, because a lot of it comes down to finances. The, the earlier you marry your daughter off, the the less you have to pay. In, in the you know, certain communities, there's still this dowry system, which also needs to be eradicated, but that's a different conversation. Um and so the less they have to pay to the, the guy's family. But, you know, I sat down with them and said, listen, forget about the money for a second. If your daughter gets an education, she'll be able to marry an educated man. The dowry won't even be in question anymore. And you're setting her up for such an amazing life. And I'm here. I kept telling them. I was like, I'm here. Anything that happens, I'm here for the girls, for your family. And um, so I will uh, I'll, I'll definitely be there to look out for you. So I had that conversation with them. And, they're still anxious. I mean, this is generations of conditioning and cultural norms, and it still makes them anxious, but I've I've at least shown them by showing up there every year, connecting with them, sitting down with them, and so I think they're starting to have a little bit more trust in, in what I'm telling them. That's great news. <laughs> one of the things that Gloria Steinem shared with Oprah is that, you know, Jay, I didn't know this either, and I don't know if you're aware, Rushman, that women are actually, for the first time in history, women are less than men. In the world, mm-hmm. because of the fact, because of the fact that there's been so much violence against women, okay. When Gloria Steinem said that recently, this week, it actually completely blew me away because I would have thought the opposite. And so, hearing you know about the girls and you know what you hear in Africa, what you hear in Asia, what you hear in Latin America, you know, it's shocking that it's still that is still going on. Uh, Where in China right now, they have a problem because. So many women have been, you know, disappeared or whatever the case is. There's not enough women now actually, uh, Jay and Rushmore, to marry Chinese men, which is quite shocking. And yeah, and it's similar in India. Wow. Because uh, there's, uh, there was recently a story about how um, a lot of the, you know, and we could probably go on and on for days about this stuff, but um, there are 
some people that speculate that some of the acts of aggression that, you know, happen towards women, whether it's rape or sexual abuse or whatever, is because there's not there are not enough women in the world and it's just becoming extremely off balance. Wow. Wow. Well with that said, we we really we really really have enjoyed you being on. Um we'd yes. love you to come back um and share with our audiences. But if you could share with our audience one more time about this amazing thing you're going to have for the seven-day journey. Please let our audiences know before we bring on the next group of people where they can find that out again, Rashma. Yes, definitely. I would love for everyone to join. Um, it's going to be powerful, amazing content. You can go to www.beliefexplorerquest, B-E-L-I-E-F-E-X-P-L-O-R-E-R-Q-U-E-S-T.com. And it's really quick and easy to join. So I'm excited to see you all there. And thank you. It's been such a pleasure to be with you guys today. Thank you. I want her to also, also want her to tell us about um, how to get to the madewithapurpose.com because it's such a wonderful – she's making a difference in the world. So I just wanted to mention madewithapurpose.com. Uh, Rashma, just thank you so much because uh, that's what thank we're about you. at Listen Give, helping children and, around the world. Yeah, and Rush will also pose with a purpose as well. Yeah, I have I have poses with a purpose. That one's been on hold for about a year now, but yeah, we're gonna resurrect that very soon. Great. Thank you so much. And so we're just gonna bring on the ladies for a minute so we can introduce you. Great. Malvika, Apoorva, Akshita, thank you for coming in from India. We wanted you to say hello. So, Rashma, Rashma, would you say hello to Malvita, Akshita, and Apoorva? Hi, how are you? Great to meet you, ladies. Hi, hello. Hi, good. Well, we, we thought that we'd introduce you, Rashma, to Malvika, Apoorva, and Akshita, because at the United Nations they shared what they're also doing to help women entrepreneurship by doing recycled material and making uh, beautiful bags upon which I've bought two of them. Oh, amazing. I'd love to hear more. Yeah, if you can keep us connected, that'd be great. I would love to, to speak with them and, and learn more about what they're doing. Yes, we definitely will. And thank you again so much for your time, Rashma. And we will definitely be supporting you on our website and and a lot more yes. in our Wonderful. partnership with you. And thank you again. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Well, um, Apoorva, Malvita, and Ashita, we want our audience to know that they're calling in from India, Jay. Wow. Wow, welcome, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. So, so now, you know, we don't, Jay and I don't want to get a bit confused, so just every time someone speaks, if you wouldn't mind saying what your name is, okay, guys? Because it, it, uh, there's three of them, Jay. So okay. we definitely want to. So we definitely want to make sure that we get all of them. So Malvika, Apoorva, yeah. and and Akshita, are we saying your names yes. correctly? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I want to say welcome, ladies. It's so exciting to have you on directly from India. You know, thank you for calling in from India. I know it's very long distance. Um, Jay is located in in San Francisco area, and I'm located in the New York City area. 
And we want our audience to know your your ages and your names. If you would just share with them your name and each of your ages, please. Uh, okay, I'm Malika Varma. I'm 19 years old. I'm Apurva Sharma, and I'm 20 years old. I'm Akshita, and I'm 19 years old. And the reason why we wanted to share that, Jay, is because these young ladies are up to something amazing at such a young age, okay? You are making a difference with women entrepreneurship in India, okay? And you're really out on the ground doing it. You're not just talking about it. As such young ladies who are in university studying, I want to know how did you come up with this idea? So uh, Porva, uh, Akshita, and Malvika, either one of you or all three of you, share with our audience and Jay. Hello? Do we have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here. So um, basically the idea, um, the main reason for doing uh, and getting into women entrepreneurship was for sure because being women and being women from India uh, and seeing the troubles and the challenges that women face daily, we really wanted to do something uh, to just combat these challenges. And being from a girls' college and having these kind of discussions regularly really motivated us. Another aspect uh, being the, uh, like, since we produce bags which are made out of base materials, so what we wanted was uh, not just to uh, focus on one element, but to focus on the upcycling of base materials as well and start this trend, and that's the main thing, yeah. Thank you. We um, Is that Apoorva? Yeah, uh, this is Apoorva. Okay, Apoorva, we we need we need to make sure that all of your um, that we can hear you all clearly. Okay, um, we did hear you. We just want to make sure we hear you clearly. Thank you so much. I know that Jay okay. has a question for you as well. Oh uh, yes, uh, this is for you guys. I want to know what was it like to see what you are creating actually happen. What was it like seeing it happen? Uh, yeah, I'm Malika. I'm gonna answer this one. Um, it was actually we were really we were really surprised the way it turned out. Uh, in our head, it was very different. But when you start wow. executing things, when it goes on ground, it changes drastically. So we went through major changes, and we I mean everything for, fell apart at times. But eventually, mm-hmm. it came together. So when it comes together, everything that everything goes on track and everything is going smoothly, that feeling is just unmatched. So it feels great to know that at the age of 19, at the age of 20, we're making a difference. We are I mean, in charge of livelihoods apart from our own. So that feeling is just great, I feel. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, you know Jay, then having them come to New York, Malika, Apoorva, hmm. and Akshita, to the United Nations to share the work of the women in India you supported. How was that experience for you? Okay, so I'll, okay, I'm so I'll, I'll take this one. So the, the experience, overall of coming to New York and sharing the experience, and the thought of doing it was great in itself. But when we came there, presented, and the response, and the kind of response we got from people was amazing. Everyone 
they were so supporting and took it so in such a big way that it motivated us to do it, take it further, and just keep on increasing it and just make fifty thousand one lakh women come into this. Wow, wow! And you know, we want to acknowledge Manav of one million, one billion for coming, having that at the United Nations, along with Mary Simmons of the Global Leadership Coalition for having both. Apoorva and Akshita, and I know that Malvita wasn't there, but to have all three of these amazing ladies be a part of that, and where you know I had the opportunity to meet them, Jay, um, and I'm so uh-huh. glad. I, I'm, I, Jay, I will tell you that I was the one that got to purchase their two bags, so I, I was not giving wow. those bags off. <laughs> did you get? Did you get me one? No, I didn't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, oh, I didn't. Okay. Yeah. I don't think it would look too. I don't think it would look too great for you, but you know. Oh. <laughs> well, you guys are wonderful. I would like to know um, from all three guys. Um, me and Gail would like to know what are you attending school for now? What are you, what are you attending school for? Okay, uh, Madhika, I'm going to answer that first. So. Uh, I am a liberal arts student. I'm currently pursuing philosophy from Lee uh, Shriram College in New Delhi. So this is something that is completely not related to my field, but it's something that I'm really passionate about. So uh, one thing that I've been asked many times by many people is that how, why are you doing entrepreneurship when you are currently studying philosophy, which is not even <laughs> remotely related to uh, entrepreneurship. <laughs> so my answer to that would be that if you're passionate about something, it does not need to be something that you're studying or academically pursuing, and that is my message to many entrepreneurs out there, in my college also and in my country as well, worldwide maybe, that you pursue your passion and just go for it. That's it. Wow, yes. <laughs> so what about, what about any of the other, other ladies? Do you guys have any answers for that? What are you guys uh, um, attending school for? Um the yeah, same so or I'm a, different? A, a now. So uh, I'm doing economics honors and um, from Lady Sriram College only. And um, so it's it's a, like Malvika said, it's just the passion that drives uh, the these that drives this uh, entire thing. And it's though economics is a bit related to the it's like the entrepreneurship and more related than philosophy. But still, it's the main reason is passion and the desire to do something and not just sit back, and that's the thing, yeah. Wow. Okay, so it's Akshita now. So like Malvika, I'm also currently doing liberal arts and philosophy major. And yeah, mm-hmm. whatever Malvika said, goes, it goes on the same lines. Yeah, I'm, it's not related to my field, whatever I'm doing it, but... This is what I wanted to do, and this is what I want to carry forward and take it as my future and my career. Wow. Well, you know, Jay, I'm going to sneak a question in here before I go to the next one. You know, I'm so uh, glad to hear this because, you know, I don't claim to know everything about Indian culture, but I do know that it's like a lot of cultures here in the West and so forth. You know, the parents in India can be very strict. How do they feel about you, you ladies, actually uh, going for not becoming the uh, the you know in finance or uh, engineering or software development or you know did you have to kind of have conversations with your parents from a cultural perspective to uh, 
you know, pursue the, the areas of study that you're in now? Um, uh, yeah, okay, I'm going to move on now. Okay, <laughs> I'm, uh, so um, I've been really lucky in this part. Uh, like my parents have always been very, very supportive, and they've always uh, encouraged me to do what I want to do. So be it uh, my field of study, my stream, or be it this, they've always been uh, one of the greatest strengths uh and that's what I've been really lucky in this. So I didn't need to have any hard talks or serious conversations to convince them. They were always uh, like they were always happy with what I wanted to do. Great. Um, and 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 what about you, Akshita and Apoorva? Uh That was a puja. Yeah, I'm Mazika, and I'm gonna answer yeah. this. So um, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> yeah, so it hasn't been like they have opposed, I mean, my parents have opposed my going into this field or pursuing entrepreneurship. But yeah, the thing is that they're not exactly happy about it. So it's like there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of risk associated with entrepreneurship and uh, starting up your own venture at such a young age that too. So they're just worried that how will it happen and where will it go and we might just end up getting uh, duped by someone in the end because we have no idea how to go about this. But we were lucky because we got mentorship from uh, 1M1B and a couple of other organizations. So the thing is that the the fear factor is what holds back parents, I believe. So uh, they are encouraging, I'm sure, but uh, they're just a little apprehensive, I think. So it's not exactly encouraging, but they're just afraid, maybe. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm Akshita. So my parents, I don't know, they've never asked me or told me to what what should you do or what should you not do. They've no, never told me that go for engineering or go for medical. They've always told me, okay, you go for whatever you want to go for. So like coming from a and my parents are also into entrepreneurship. So actually it didn't take me a lot of time to convince them what about what is it all about? And because they've been in this field and they know how it is, so they've actually kind of guided me through it that, okay, do it this way or don't do it this way. But they've never told me this, you should do this or you should not do it. So they've been very supporting my passions and my field of study as of right now. So wow. this is my this is my this is my next question, and then um, I will move aside so Mr. J can ask you the next. Um, are you in partnership with young men of your country in this project to support the growth of women's entrepreneurship? Not yet, but no. yeah, we've been getting messages from many people that they want to get on board with this and help us out. So it's been an all women's uh, enterprise till now, but we're hoping to involve more women, involve more men now. Well, do you get any pushback at all from you know doing this project? Uh, are men open to it? Do you find that the young men are open to it? Yeah, actually, uh, contrary to uh, popular belief, uh, it's not like anybody is opposing us, men or anyone. Everybody has been very supportive. We've been very lucky in that regard. And, uh, in fact, people are coming up and they're saying that they want to join us. So we're going to open up uh, the team and we're going to start including more and more people, men and women both. So, yeah, it's been just great. Like, nobody's opposed us as such at all, wow. actually. That's yeah. great. Yeah, I, 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 this is a great 
question, Gil. I'm glad you came up with this question. I'm excited to ask you guys. So I want to ask you guys, with your schooling in your university, how do you intend to use your skills to expand your women's entrepreneurship project? Hello? Hello? Aprova? Are you guys there? Aprova or Malvika? Hello? Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, there was some uh, connection issues. So uh, can you can you just uh, repeat your question? I'm really sorry. I, I sure would. No problem. I wanted to ask you, you know, with your schooling in your university, how do you guys intend to use your skills to expand your women's entrepreneur project? Okay, uh, so basically, uh, like a first thing, we're getting a good response where people really want to join us, and uh, so and like like it's just that like us, there are many others who have the skills, who have the uh, desire to change, to take up things like that, and uh, to even expand, and they have. Uh, we never know; they might come up with better ideas than we do, and uh, help. Uh, help us grow better. So it's just that uh, they need to. They, that fear holds them back. And uh, if we uh, set an example and if we showcase something like it's successful, everyone's going to come up, use their skills uh, along with ours, and he- uh, help us to expand this entire network to like many. Yeah, ways. and and yeah, I like to add to this. Generally, at our age, students don't take up all. This because there is a lot of difficulty when it comes to matching your studies with this. So generally, students are a little. They what holds them back is the studies and what they thought for the career they want to. So that is what basically holds them back, and that is. But we set an example and show them this is how you can do it, and we've done it, and you can manage the studies as well. So I think that will motivate them, and a lot of them will take this up. Aha. That's all I can say. Um, you know, one one of the things I'd like to know, um, I had another question today, but I think I'm going to change it a little bit. Um, with women's entrepreneurship in India, all right, you know, we have all these studies, Malvika, you know, Apoorva and Ashita, we have all these studies about what is happening in every country, including here. And it's not until you're on the ground you know, as the way that you are as students in your country, you know, really experiencing the difference you're making for these women. You know, sometimes as human beings, when we do things for other people, they feel ingratiated to us, like they owe us something, okay? Rather than feeling yeah. a sense of, yeah. rather than feeling a sense of dignity. What, what the women that, are being are supporting themselves, all right? I'd like each one of you to share with Jay and I and our audience. It's not like you're giving them a handout where you're giving them money. What is it doing for these women personally? What kind of dignity? What are you seeing being experienced in these older women? And also, that's the first question. My second question is the women entrepreneurs that are making these bags out of recycled material, are they older? Are they younger? Are they, you know, middle aged? What are the ages? Are all they are they all different ages? And are and and is it stopping 
Um, so it's like I know it's like three different questions here, but you know, what is it give one? What is it give uh, providing for these women personally within themselves the dignity? Number two, what are the ages of these women? And number three, is it stopping the cycle of early marriage and early dowry? So, um, is okay, whoever so, wants okay. to jump in. Okay, uh, Mazika, yeah, I'm going to so, uh, jump in first. All right, so um, I'm going to start with the first question that was about if about the dignity part. So uh, the thing is that they are roughly 100 kilometers away from where we live, so we're not able to communicate with them on a very regular basis. But, yes, we do talk to them over phone, and sometimes we visit them. So over the visits that we have, uh, where we have interacted with them, we have seen that uh, in the very beginning, in the initial months, they were a little apprehensive about the whole idea of, you know, working with us, with such young people and with people who've ne- who they've never worked with before. So in the beginning, it was like they were not ready to trust us and they were afraid that we'll run off with their, the products that they made and the uh, machines that they're putting to use. So building that trust, building that network was a little bit difficult in the beginning, but uh, eventually when we started uh, investing our own money out of our own pocket, uh, they realized that, okay, they're here for good, they're going to stay here. So uh, that took a little bit of effort, but eventually that worked out. So after that, after a month or so, these women, they were very, uh, I don't know how to put it, they started almost, um, I don't know if I should say this, but they started respecting us, and uh, they, they, they just, I don't, I don't know, they just started treating us like family. So that that sense when we went to them and they made us, uh, they welcomed us into their home and they were like, oh, come eat something and stuff like that. So this, that just made us feel like we were a part of them. And then uh, it, it's a whole community that's coming together and everybody just wants to do something, do something for themselves to become independent, to just make things better. So that really pushed us and they were really happy with the whole uh, set up that we have for them. So that is there. And uh, the women that we're working with currently, they are middle-aged from 30 to 49 years. Uh, we started off with five women, then we expand, we've now expanded to eight women, which just shows that they're really trusting us now and they're willing to work with us. And um, Apurva, would you like to continue with the third question? Um, the yeah, third uh, question is... The first, even the first question... Yeah, yeah, I got it. Uh, so the first question... Uh, Actually, uh, so the thing is, when we met them, they were unemployed, and they had their skills, and their husbands used to tell them that, uh, you know, you're just sitting with your stitching machines and doing nothing, wasting your day. So over the course of three months, like, as you said, the dignity part came into the picture, and they realized... And even their families gave, started giving them the respect that now they're working, they're earning, they're contributing. So in a way, the dignity part and the self-confidence, the self-motivation in a way that, yes, we are doing something, we are of use, and we have our own identity, that started coming into them. And that's how uh, automatically, without our efforts, we expanded from five women to eight women because those three saw the these five women and for them it was like an ideal situation. So even they wanted to jump in and start doing this. And, um, yeah, so that's it. And the ages are somewhere from uh, between 25 to uh, 40. This is the age, uh, the range of the age of these women. Wow. 
Um, and so does, can anybody talk about the marriage? You know, does this help avoid young people, from ha- young women from having to get married at an early age? Yeah, about uh, well, that. Uh, we haven't really been like a lot time, a lot of time yet. So yeah, I, we haven't that worked with young women as yet. would really take a, a lot of time, but for sure that's the vision because uh, because that's the vision when women are empowered and they have the power to say that when they want to get married, when they want to do things uh, like and how do they want to lead their life. So eventually. And surely that will someday happen. It wow. will take a lot of time and effort, I'm sure, but um, that's what we're aiming at. I mean, that's what our vision is. So hopefully, it'll work. Mm-hmm. So Jay, uh, I know you have one last question for the girls. Yeah, I want to know what year did they start doing this? When did you guys start this? What year was it on the date? Okay. Uh, we started so in we the started last week of May. Yeah, just now? Yeah, just now. Yeah, just now. You did all this? You're going to tell me they did all of this work from just May to now? That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, uh, you know, it goes to show you what, you know, one one can only do so much, but when you come together and you're on the same wavelength and you're really working hard together, Jay, as a group, as a team, you know, so much can happen. So I'm really excited to have you guys, and Jay's so excited. Um, Jay, did you have any last words for them before we said goodbye? No, I just feel like I have to do a lot more work now. You you women have amazed us. You did all that for May. I'm lagging. I, 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 I think I feel lazy now. I got, I got to get to work, girl. <laughs> I know what you mean. Well, Corva, Malvika, and Akshita, uh, and also uh, uh, Reshma, who was on with us earlier, we'll put you in touch with Reshma, okay? We want to just say thank you so much for being on and sharing with our audience. We've really had a great time yes. with you. Yes, and, yes. Um, <laughs> and, on, and both Jay and I, we are sister organizations with Savoy and Listen Give, and we will actually be writing up on both on all three of you and Reshma and putting it on our respective sites and the sites we have together and so forth. So thank you for your time and Jay is always it's a blast and um we'll see you guys next we'll see everyone next week. Thank you so much everyone. Thank you for having us. Thank you, thank you for having us. Thank you.